0: Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jennikin. We'd like to start out the show by giving a very special happy birthday to listener Tanisha. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you for listening and supporting the show. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And your boyfriend and your boy- this. Your boyfriend. <laughs> I, saw a pic- I saw a picture of Eli and Tanisha, and they're kind of the cutest couple. Yeah. They're super cute.
0: So he sent us an email... Asking us to give a special surprise, surprise. Yeah. Oh, was I not supposed to tell that? I, I don't know. Well, I mean, obviously, we wouldn't have known.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't
0: know if Desi, but made... I want him to get props. For, he should get props for doing a sweet thing. Yeah, so it was yeah. a really
1: thoughtful thing. Yeah, super so. thoughtful. Yeah, so I hope you have an amazing birthday, and I hope you enjoy the episode. This episode is dedicated to you today. <laughs> All right. Let's thank the people who donated over at patreon.com/slash Hollywood Crime Scene this week. This week we had Shionen, Sarah, Alex, Julia, Richard, Thea, Jillian, Daniel, Van, Melissa, Misha, Leslie, Kat, Leticia, Mountain Murders, Lindsay, vivian jay and jenny thanks guys thanks so much guys okay desi this is another edition of our horror movies versus reality and this week i have decided to tell the true story behind the movie open water I'm so scared. (laughs) I'm, Desi and I were talking about this last week to each other about how, like, this is literally one of the scariest movies ever made.
0: Well, it's literally my nightmare. Yeah. I mean, for sure. So
1: it's pretty terrifying. If you haven't seen Open Water, it is an indie movie that came out in 2004. I think that's when it was like the wide release. Actually, it came out in 2003. I'm sorry. It came out in 2003. It, it initially was like doing the festival circuit. It, I actually was reading an article about how the directors—it's a husband and wife team—and how the uh, the directors were like getting all these rejection letters from all these different festivals. Uh, you know, they had some. They had an idea that like maybe it was because of like how low budget the film looks. Like it really right. does look like literally like a vacation. Mm-hmm. camera, you know? yeah. Um, but I think that adds to the eeriness of it. Personally, mm-hmm. it makes it feel more real. Uh, it's not a found footage horror movie, but it can kind of feel like that just because that it's filmed on digital video. The movie is about a couple going on vacation and they are divers and they go on this dive and when they come up from the water, their boat is gone. Ugh. You've seen the movie,
0: right? I mean, the only thing that makes me feel better about myself is that I would never go on a dive. Yeah. (laughs) That's like the only... It's like my fear, but I would never do what would lead me to that experience.
1: I agree, but I'm still so scared of it. Oh, well, absolutely. Because like, <laughs> someone might force me on a dive. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's like that Tina Watson case. Do you know about that case? Mm, I don't, it doesn't sound familiar. Well, Which one? Well, I learned a lot about it from when I did Molly's podcast. We did a uh, Lifetime movie, the Lifetime movie that was based on that event. Oh, okay. It was basically like this husband forced his wife to go on a dive on their honeymoon. Like she really didn't want to. And he, like, really, like, Got her to do the dive, and then she died. Oh, and it was like, did he kill her or not? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the Lifetime movie painted this guy out to be like a murderer, but I don't remember if the guy was in real life. Right, or not. right. Like the movie was super dramatic. Okay. Anyway, that sounds good. But, <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> you should watch it. It's <laughs> okay. It's ridiculous. So this story though is about a couple named Tom and Eileen Lonergan. Before I get, uh, before I start the story, I just want to say that uh, some of my primary sources was old newspaper articles from Australia, specifically the Age from Melbourne. Did I say Melbourne? Melbourne? How do they they say it like a way that
0: I don't know? It's like I just say Melbourne.
1: Okay, I'm pronouncing it wrong. I'm sorry. You uh, you might be Melbourne.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't have an accent.
1: I will say that Aust- an Australian accent is the next accent I want to master. Oh, not okay. that I've mastered any accent. <laughs> yeah, I was but- like, which one do you master? <laughs> Except for Valley Girl, apparently. <laughs> so, uh, the Age newspaper, as well as the Sydney Morning, the Sydney Morning Herald. And also, <laughs> is that the right name of the? I'm so tired right now. And also, uh, one of my primary sources was an investigation discovery 2020. It was like 2020 and investigation discovery Ooh, presents. They got had together. like. They got together <laughs> and they did this like hour long documentary about this case in 2001. So, like the real story. The real story. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I got some information from that, but mostly from the newspaper articles. Tom and Eileen Lonergan were a married couple from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. The pair met while at Louisiana State University and they got married shortly after graduation in 1989. In the 90s, the Lonergans joined the Peace Corps and they were posted up in various places in the South Pacific. Both Tom and Eileen were an adventurous couple who loved traveling the world together, seeking excitement and exploring the great outdoors. Tom's mother said that they were, quote, inseparable. And this couple, they were very much in love with each other. They really were each other's best friends. A quote from the Age newspaper said, quote, they were never alone. We used to laugh at them and how they would do everything together. That's, that's a quote from Tom's mother. Okay. In 1995, the Lonergan's moved to Fiji, and they lived a very quiet life there in a remote area where they both worked as teachers. Uh, Now, this is the point where I should point out in my notes because I just wrote it down. Uh, This is not a dunk on Tom or Eileen. This is a dunk on Brendan. Because while I was researching this case and I had the investigation discovery going on in the background, it kept saying, Tom and Eileen, Tom and Eileen. And fucking Brendan goes, Tom and Eileen. Oh, (laughs) Tom and Eileen. And I just want you to know that he has not stopped singing that. Now I'm going to um, have it in my look, head. Look, I've had it in my head the whole time. And I want to be very clear I'm not making fun of Tom or Eileen. I'm, I'm making fun of Brendan. Or making fun of Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> and I told him I was going to tell yeah. our listeners what he did. Okay. Except for the consequences. Now that, <laughs> <laughs> now that that's out of the way. The Lonergan's were both very experienced divers. Eileen's mother told Investigation Discovery. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wrote infestation discovery. <laughs> I'm sorry, Eileen. <laughs> I'm a mess today. Eileen, banana all over again. I know nothing will be funnier than that. Eileen's mother told Investigation Discovery that an experience that an experience her daughter had diving in Fiji was life changing. In 1998, 33 year old Tom Lonergan and 28 year old Eileen had spent three years in Fiji and were ready to continue traveling the world. Their first stop was northern Queensland, Australia. Now, this area is a rural coastal area with some gorgeous beaches. It is not a city area or even a suburban area. This is like a pretty rugged rural spot. Now, the area was nearby the Great Barrier Reef in the Coral Sea, which is a diver's paradise. Every every diver dreams. That's dreamed, like the dream. That's where they dream of going is the Great Barrier Reef. The Lonergan's arrived in January of 1998 and checked into the Gone Walkabout Hostel in the town of Cairns. They wanted to start diving right away. Now, when the lonergan got to this hostel when they got into town. It was actually, like, horrible, shitty weather for the first 10 days they were there. Right. Like, so they had to wait 10 whole days, and for them, that was probably, like, agony because, like, all they wanted to do they was were, just... die. They want to die. They want to die. Um, can I ask a question? Yeah. How
0: do they have money? Do they just have money? Like, or, or do they just live very cheaply? They,
1: like, well, they checked into a hostel. Like, Yeah, they I'm just at- curious
0: because that seems like they're traveling, like where did they get, how do they earn money? Or I did guess they have they, a savings? Like,
1: I think they saved up while they were working in Fiji. I don't know how much they were making working yeah. as teachers there. but they, So they were teachers. They were working as teachers in Fiji. Right. And I, I think that was just sort of where they put all their money was yeah. into traveling. Saving up for this and trip. If, and when they were in the Peace Corps, of course, they were traveling with that. Yeah. So uh, that's how they managed to do that. So, you know... Their perfect weather day finally arrived, and that was Sunday, January 25th. Now that morning, 26 divers, including the Lonergan's, boarded a scuba boat at Port Douglas headed 38 miles out from the shore to explore the Great Barrier Reef. The name of the diving company was called Outer Edge. The weather that day was ideal. It was warm, and the skies were clear without a cloud in the sky, and the water was just smooth and glassy. It was literally the perfect day for being outside and diving. The Outer Edge made several stops throughout the morning at different locations. Divers were instructed to log in and out upon entering and exiting the water. The time allowed spent in the water at each stop was about 30 minutes. Tom and Eileen would spend the entire allotted time under the water when they would go in. They were not like coming up for air a minute Earlier. Right. They wanted to be in the maximum amount of time at each stop. At 3 p.m., the Outer Edge was at their final dive destination. The Lonergan's dove in again. They declined a dive master to go with them. They wanted to dive alone and sort of go away from the group. They were like, we're experienced. Right. We want to do our own little thing. Do where we want to go. Yeah. Exactly. 30 minutes later, the Outer Edge departed, but Tom and Eileen were not on board.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The scuba boat returned to the shore an hour and a half later. That's how far out there they are. Right, It is an hour and a half from shore by boat. Yeah. And though there were two pairs of shoes left behind, no one aboard the boat noticed or seemed to think anything was off about that. Not only were their shoes left unclaimed, but the Lonergan's gear was also left behind on the boat that day. Like their bags full of their personal right. items, like their wallets, their IDs, yeah, glasses, uh, their their shit, yeah, the shit they bought, brought on the boat, which was a lot of stuff that they wouldn't have taken on the
0: dive, <laughs> like, right, yeah,
1: exactly. Now, Jeffrey Naren, the skipper of the boat, took these items back to the Outer Edge office to their lost and found. He just assumed that whatever passengers had left behind would just come and pick them up later. Well, night fell and nobody noticed that the Lonergan's had never made it back on board the outer edge. No one knew that the couple had been left alone at sea with nothing more than their scuba gear, drifting with a swiftly moving current. Mm. On Monday, January 26th, Divers who were with that day's Outer Edge trip discovered two weight belts at the seafloor at St. Crispin's Reef, which is the same spot that the di- that Tom the and Eileen time. were last seen. On Tuesday night, which was two days after the dive, the Outer Edge contacted the hostel where the Lonergan's had been staying about the couple's belongings that they had left behind. Now, the hostel owner hadn't seen them, so he called the police and reported the couple missing. The next morning, a search and rescue effort began. The search area was absolutely massive. I mean, they sent out helicopters, boats, divers from the Navy. It was this huge undertaking. But at this point,
0: they didn't know that they were lost on the dive. They just thought they were missing? No, they were like, oh, shit. Oh, so they know now that they were lost on the dive. Yes, okay.
1: but they didn't call any, they didn't put two and two together until two days later after the dive. So they send out this massive search party on the water to find Tom and Eileen. But no one could find any traces of the Lonergan's. The search went on for four days before being called off. The police next launched into an investigation into how this could have happened. Exactly. How could this have happened? How could two adults... Be missing. Yeah. Like, how could they have not noticed that these two? I mean, it wasn't like there were hundreds of people on a big boat. Right. It was 26 passengers in all, or 20, like not one person
0: was like, what about that couple? <laughs>
1: like, right. yeah. Right. Like, it was 26 divers in all that their stuff was, you know, left behind. They had the company's dive tanks. It wasn't Tom and Eileen's dive tanks. like They didn't notice even that their dive tanks were missing. So it took them two whole days. So police were like, how could such an egregious mistake happen? I mean, that is a pretty...
0: Well, especially because they had a system in place, right? Where they had to sign it off? They
1: were supposed to have a system in place. Yes, they have a system in place where you have to sign in and out, getting in and out of the water, and also the outer edge... And other dive companies are supposed to do a head count as well. So why were they unaccounted for? About 10 days after the Lonergan's went missing, items belonging to the couple turned up on a remote beach in northern Queensland. A fin was discovered with Eileen L. written on it. A wetsuit hood and two buoyancy vests were also discovered, and so were two dive tanks. Most of the equipment that washed on shore was completely intact with no signs of shredding or damage, which would have indicated a shark attack. One of the items that did wash upon shore or that was discovered later was Eileen's gray and green wetsuit, and that did have some tearing on the buttocks, which could have indicated a shark attack, but it also could have indicated just wear from washing up against the reef or rocks or something like that. But there were no body parts that were discovered. This was just items. Now, by this time, speculation began to arise that Tom and Eileen had faked their own deaths. The circumstances of their disappearance seemed so far-fetched to some. How could such an egregious mistake have been made by this dive company? Right. Surely, they did this. Yeah. This is How could this have happened? I mean, people... It, and I want to be clear, like, it wasn't everybody in this community that thought this, but there definitely were a lot of Tom and Eileen truthers out there. Right. Who were sort of like unwilling to believe that such a horrific thing could have occurred. Yeah. Especially people in the diving industry.
0: Right. Be- they don't want to believe it.
1: They don't want to believe yeah. it. They don't want to believe that. Someone, one of their colleagues, could make such a huge mistake, or that you know this would scare off tourists yeah. from diving. This would hurt their business. So there, there definitely was a lot of whispering and sort of conspiracy theories that started popping up. Now there were also at this time there also began. Uh, being reports of sightings, like sightings of the couple began right. to pop up. Like people would call in from all across Australia being like, I saw them at a cafe. Well, I saw them at my bookstore. Yeah. Like one lady called up like literally like five months after they went missing and she was like, I saw Tom and Eileen at my bookstore like the day after they went missing.
0: That's such a like specific phenomenon that always happens. I feel like there must be something in human nature where we can't accept people just disappearing. (laughs) Like we want to know, or we want to see the dead bodies or something like.
1: Yeah. And I was also thinking the phenomenon of people coming forward with like faux sightings, like real or imagined sightings, like where they don't well, because it's like you're looking for it. Right.
0: Subconsciously, maybe. So your
1: brain fills in the blanks, like, to someone who might kind of look like that person. Yeah. So you think yeah. that it's, it's them? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So there were all these, like, calls being made to the police, but it was, like, it couldn't be verified that it was them. Now, members of the diving industry suspected that the Lonergan's were alive, had faked their own deaths to start a new life. A local Port Douglas diver was quoted in the age as saying, quote, it's very fishy. They didn't want to be found. If they had, something would have washed ashore by now. Something would have shown that they struggled to survive. Well, their items did wash ashore, but I guess he was, you know, he said he said that before the items washed ashore, but like, you know, yeah. people people also then began to think like, "Oh, well there were no body parts." Also, what are they starting over from? I'm sorry.
0: Like, it's not like they're criminals escaping or like they were in
1: huge debt or bankruptcy or. No. Yeah. I mean, that was the other thing. It was like, why would this couple who didn't have any kind of crippling debt, who didn't have a a history of of crime, like you said, they weren't running from anything. They also
0: wouldn't be benefiting financially from this. None
1: of them had insurance yeah. policies. So,
0: oh, you couldn't claim
1: it if you're dead. Well right. <laughs> Yeah, like I
0: mean, there's I don't see the I don't see why. Right. If there was something very obvious that they would have done this for, it would have come out like God damn it those people. Like someone would have come forward like they stole all my money or they did something horrible.
1: Do you know what I mean? Like right. and the- nothing came out. It's a pretty absurd notion. And I also I was listening to this episode of that podcast Criminal with Phoebe Judge. Oh yeah. And there was actually an interesting episode about like what it takes to fake your own death and disappear completely, like or go into the witness protection program. Mm-hmm. And like that is a very involved and complex ordeal to undertake. It's a
0: weird thing considering they, they already lived in Fiji, like in the middle of nowhere. right? Do you know what I mean? They had already escaped whatever life they had in America or or something
1: like... I mean, to disappear completely, that is a huge undertaking. Like it's right. not something that anyone would do unless they had a, a really good fucking reason.
0: Yeah, because you could just not talk to your family anymore. <laughs> like yeah, whatever like but to like completely yeah.
1: disappear yourself yeah it's weird uh yeah they also would have had to rely on everything playing out the way that it did
0: well and they also weren't accounted for on the boat that's what i'm like, saying yeah like, they had to rely yeah, they, had, they, they. it's not like they had a boat in the distance waiting for them like they had to rely on the people not checking for them you, you know like
1: it doesn't if you think about it for more than two seconds you realize it's <laughs> The dumbest fucking conspiracy yeah, theory. Yeah, it's really dumb. It's stu- so stupid. Now, Eileen's mother Elizabeth vehemently rejected this idea that the Lonergans disappeared on purpose. She was pretty offended by it, and you know I don't blame her for being offended because then that you know it's it's sort of victim blamey almost, yeah. where it's like they did this to themselves, right? So she was super rightfully so offended. She was quoted quoted in the Melbourne Age as saying. I'll tell you what the story is. They were left behind. That is the story. The fact of the story is that somebody left them in the water and they did not report it for two and a half days. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. That's... Yeah. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side?
0: Visit betterhelp.com slash HCS today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H E L P.com slash HCS. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying?
1: Now, in April, Queensland police looked into a report from another diving company that they had an increased headcount aboard their boat the day that the Lonergan's disappeared. The divers on this boat were all Italian, and the skipper reported to the police that he remembered hearing some American voices on board that day. But this theory didn't pan out. You know, this was just a right. kind of going down the conspiracy road like, oh, could they have gotten, is the reason they had the increased head count because Tom and Eileen were on board yeah. that day, but yeah. that did not pan out or go anywhere. Now, there was also another theory about the Lonergan's that be, began to go around, and that was that this was a suicide pact between the couple and or a murder-suicide. Hmm. So people were like, oh, they both committed suicide. Some people were like, he killed Eileen, and then he killed himself. But if we're looking at this rationally, A, once again, they would have had to rely on all that stuff happening on the boat where they weren't accounted for. Right. And also, what a horrible way to commit suicide, to <laughs> to choose that death. I mean... I would buy
0: that conspiracy of all all of them the most. I'm not saying I believe well, it, but to right. me that would be like similar to like I'm thinking of like Norman Maine and A Star Is Born, the like the Judy Garland one where he walks into the water uh, at the end. Of, did you see that one? He, like, walks into the ocean. But but that's also
1: a cinematic moment (laughs) for a movie. I'm just
0: saying if they love diving, maybe they're like, let's just... I mean, I agree. It's stupid. But that's, like, the conspiracy theory I buy the most of all of them. It makes a little more sense than them faking their own death. Because even... They don't really have to rely on no one finding them. Because... Well, look, it actually would be very easy to kill yourself diving. Because you just have to... um, you can do something to make your, your, uh, you can come up too
1: fast. Okay. But what are the cool, but the, but the chances that, but they, then they would have floated to the top probably or yes, something. Yes. But yeah. also the chances that there also would have been this fiasco on the outer edge where they didn't, where they got the right. head count wrong. I'm not saying I believe it. I'm just saying that one would be the most possible. I of get the what you're saying. Yeah. But also there's still the fact that even if they had done that, they didn't go looking for these people for two and a half oh, yeah. fucking days. Yeah. Totally. So,
0: th- so it could just be a, uh, if that was true, it would just be a wild coincidence. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then the diaries of the Lonergans came to light. They were discovered at the hostel that they had been staying in, and the media had a field day with these Ooh. with the content of the these diaries. Now this was obviously just added fuel to the conspiracy fire. In an entry dated August 3rd, 1997, Tom wrote, quote, like a student who has finished an exam, I feel that my life is complete and I am ready to die. As far as I can tell, from here, my life can only get worse. It was peaches until, and it's all downhill from here until my funeral. So people pointed to that and they were like, see, he was suicidal. Ooh. Look. entry. <laughs> sometimes you just feel like Shit, some days, and you write right. in your personal diary that no one's gonna read, or you think no one's gonna read. Yeah, there could be a million explanations for this.
0: Or he was speaking like metaphorically that t- it was such a good, it was a week, great day. Or yeah, like it c- it's only downhill from here
1: because it was so great t- today, which doesn't necessarily mean that's bad, right? Yeah, downhill sounds like oh, it's all downhill from here. That sounds like it's easy, right? right. But
0: I can see. I can see why it would spark that conspiracy.
1: Of course. Well, it was fueling to that, but these were also completely cherry-picked yeah, passages from their diaries that were being printed and circulated around. There was an entry written by Eileen that was dated January 9th, 1998, which was just a few weeks before their dive, and that said... Tom hopes to die a quick and painless death, and he hopes it to happen soon. Tom's not suicidal, but he's got a death wish that could lead him to what he desires, and I could get caught in that. So people really <laughs> took that one. I mean,
0: these are pretty uh, I have to say, like not that I have a diary,
1: but those are those are I don't
0: think that those are average en- entries.
1: Do you? I think that Tom's could be average, but I did read a lot of angry people on reddit boards and stuff who said those the, these statements were really cherry-picked. right. I mean, sometimes you do write shit in your diary that's like you really don't think people are gonna read it. I'm just I'm, I mean maybe it's also like if you have a death wish, it's because you're an adventurous type. like, Yeah, you don't care
0: about dying right? and maybe some people do want to die young like I do think that's a thing especially if you're like an adventurous type you're like I don't want to get old
1: I want to live life to the fullest and then die and honestly like I said before even if they were even if they just happened to be suicidal I really don't think that they would have gone out this way Right. I just don't think knowing what we know about the boat, like missing the head count and not, or whatever they happen on the boat, like right. Why did it that would be all- a
0: weird coincidence that the boat stuff happened? But I do. I don't know enough about diving, but I do think it's pretty easy to give yourself like a pulmonary embolism just by doing something with the breathing apparatus or coming up too soon. That's the bends. But there's something else that I think you could do with the breathing. Cause that's why I've always been scared of dying. Yeah, Cause too. I was like, I'll die. I know. Cause I'll... I will do everything wrong.
1: <laughs> that's, that's why I, when I, okay. I learned about the bends in like third grade and I've been scared of no. Like, the bends is fucking freaky. Like literally like I had a teacher, maybe it was like, I don't know if it was third grade or like sixth grade, but I swear to God, I had a teacher who like shook up a bottle of soda and then was like, that's what happens inside you when you get the bends. <laughs> it's so
0: scary yeah. cuz it's like to me i'm like if i need to go up i need to go up right and
1: right. now, <laughs> now yeah. i'm not going to do it in stages cuz right. i'm probably panicking about right. something like i get so claustrophobic Like, on land, imagine how claustrophobic I would get underwater. I can't even... No. It is literally the last thing I would ever
0: want to do. Like, I
1: understand it probably looks really beautiful underwater, but no thank you. I like the
0: idea of
1: it. Right. But I could
0: never... No. You're not supposed to be underwater, and that's why you get the bends.
1: (laughs) It's so freaky. It's not for me. The whole diving experience and i'm sure we have listeners who are divers or who have dove before and love it and i'm not denying that i'm saying for us personally right that scares us it scares me that's very scary i'm not adventurous I, in that way i'm just not i'm not into diving i just know it i can't i can't do it either
0: I can't they, I can't be trusted to follow the rules exactly.
1: I know I'm going to panic. I know I'm going <laughs> to panic underwater and I'm going to like press a button or like turn a knob and like it's all... I don't like seeing anything where you're in a shark cage underwater.
0: <laughs> the shark's like banging the metal. Dude. I was like, are you kidding me? I would be literally shitting in my wetsuit. <laughs> there's no way. Like I can't even imagine how scared I would be when I see those things. And they're like just bumping it and the bars start bending. I was like, what are those...
1: Made of. (laughs) Like, how strong are sharks? But but like even if you're not on a shark dive, it's like it's the ocean. You can't control what's going to swim up to you. I just can't. I've I've already thought of a hundred things that could go wrong. I'm (laughs) not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Okay. Okay. So the families of Tom and Eileen were also very insulted that either the idea that people were spreading around, that they were suicidal. Again, this seemed like they were... They weren't focusing on the true like right. issue. The of obvious this case thing. where it's like regardless
0: of what they did, the the boat company still fucked up.
1: Yes. I mean,
0: that's sort of the the, the ultimate truth. Like, they
1: were upset because this was shifting the blame from where it should have been and putting it on the victims. Yeah. So a quote from Eileen's brother, he said, I know my sister, my sister is not a con artist, I know she would not kill herself. Now, at this time, the 1985 disappearance of Baton Rouge resident Milton Harris piqued the interest of the police. Milton had faked his disappearance in Cook Strait, which is in New Zealand, to collect on an insurance claim. And it was said that Milton Harris belonged to the same church as the Lonergans, and that maybe that they had staged his disappearance. But Eileen's brother refuted that claim. He said, quote, "Eileen and Tom have lived out of the country for two years. They are not a member of any church." But obviously, when people heard right. that there was this case from you know almost fifteen years prior where This guy who just happened to be from Baton Rouge, they're like, oh, I bet he knew the Lonergan's, but that was not the case at all. Now, not everyone in the diving community of Port Douglas bought into the conspiracy surrounding the Lonergan's disappearance. Ben Kropp, a filmmaker and former dive shop owner, reached out to the families to share his condolences. He told The Age, quote, I thought someone in Port Douglas should have said that people in this town share their sorrow. They died and almost certainly were eaten by a tiger shark. Wow. (laughs) He was certain. (laughs) Whether, Whether dead or alive at the time, they would have gone through a terrible and frightening ordeal, really frightening, and I'm annoyed that some people are trying to shift the blame on them by these crazy rumors of them faking their deaths. In July of 1998, two fishermen on a boat 90 miles from where Tom and Eileen disappeared, discovered the dive slate of the couple, and it had a haunting message. <sighs> now, a diving slate, for those of you who don't know, it's basically like a little whiteboard, but you can write underwater with it. And to communicate. To communicate with other divers. This is what was on the dive slate. I'm scared. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> To anyone that can help us, we have been abandoned here on Agincourt Reef, 25 January 1998, 3 p.m. Please help us, come to rescue us, or we will die. The slate was dated Monday, January 26th at 8 a.m., meaning that Tom and Eileen had survived the night drifting in the water. (laughs) The coroner, Noel Noonan, concluded that the Lonergan's died from exposure, drowning, or shark attack. That was the official cause of death. An inquest into the Lonergan's death began in September of 1998. In court at the inquest was diving expert and documentarian Ben Kropp. He testified that he believed the Lonergan's had been attacked and killed by tiger sharks. A wetsuit that had been discovered was also presented because that was the one that I said before that belonged to Eileen and it had the tearing marks on the buttocks. This is a quote from Ben Krop. My personal feeling is that they were taken by a tiger shark in the first 24 to 48 hours. Dead or alive, you wouldn't last too long out there before being eaten by a shark. Ben Krop also said that, quote, dehydration and despair, those things would have killed them off. The inquest revealed that the outer edge had reportedly failed to conduct headcounts at dive sites in the past, and that was, you know, heavily like, okay, yeah, this has been a problem before. Yeah. Diving instructor Greg Pirahu had originally told the police that no headcount had been conducted the day the Lonergans went missing, but later he changed his story. But he wouldn't give an explanation as to why he changed his story. Richard Triggs, who was a diver that day on the Outer Edge with the Lonergan's, told the court that he had not witnessed any headcount being done that day. It was discovered that the Lonergan's had arranged to get on a bus at the marina in Port Douglas following their dive with Outer Edge. Now, the bus driver told the manager of the bus company, a woman named Corinne, that he had looked everywhere for the Lonergan's, but he couldn't find them. So when he got to the marina to pick them up, After their diving trip, he couldn't find them. He actually went the extra mile. He looked around like in the local cafes and shops. I don't know how, maybe this was like some kind of, this was like a prearranged shuttle bus, I guess, going back to the hostel that they had paid or that they were going to pay for and whatever. They had ordered this bus. He couldn't find the couple. So Corinne telephoned the Outer Edge office and spoke with a man that she believed to be Jeffrey Nairn. She said to the court, all I can say is the response I got back was that it was okay for our driver to leave without the couple. Hmm. So the Outer Edge knew that the, this couple was absent for their bus ride. Right. Corinne told the court that the man from Outer Edge didn't identify himself as Jeffrey Nairn, but that she recognized his voice to be his. Alex Corlane, who was the teenage son of Tom Coleraine, the owner of Outer Edge, told the court that he had found the diving weights that day. Alex said that he brought the weights to Jeffrey Nairn and that he told the boy, quote, that's great. Go back and see if you can find any tanks. Jesus. So he didn't take that to be like, oh, that's weird how those diving <laughs> weights get left behind or why were the diving weights... Right. And all of this
0: gets extra annoying knowing that they survived at least 24 hours.
1: Yes. It's infuriating. Yeah. Senior crown prosecutor, John Bailey said, quote, the outer edge has had a slipshod devil may care attitude. No systems had been established as to who was responsible for what this led to a tragedy of errors. Counsel for the outer edge played up the conspiracy angles to downplay their clients responsibility. Now, Jeffrey Nairn, the captain of the Outer Edge, was charged with manslaughter, and the trial began the following year in November 1999. But Jeffrey was found not guilty. However, the Outer Edge was fined for negligence, and that company ended up going out of business. Hmm. Which, good? I mean, good. At yeah. least they faced some kind of consequences, um, and, you know, there was actually, as a result of this case, there were actually new regulations put in place within the diving industry in Australia. I mean, as there should have been. Like,
0: I mean, that seems like such a basic one, but I can see how that gets slack, like the headcount stuff.
1: Well, it's like someone I saw on Reddit pointed out, it's like everyone's running around or not running around, but everyone's on the boat in the exact same outfit basically wearing scuba gear right. and it's like you can confuse people and people are moving around and I saw this one diver wrote that like now basically or at least in their experience diving like everyone had to remain seated and completely still on the boat during the head count.
0: Yes. I also think uh not to blame them. But because they went off separately, like they probably were just used to everyone staying with the, the dive leader and it was easier to keep track probably that way. But the minute you knew someone was going separately, you should have been more on top of making sure they were.
1: Do you Absolutely. know what I mean? Like, I mean, just the amount of balls that were dropped here
0: yeah. by the outer edge. Like, I mean, it really was. The, I just think you go so many years without anything happening and you start getting slack. Like everyone does that in every part of their lives, but we're not responsible for other people's lives. So it doesn't really like make a difference necessarily. But in this case, it's like, that's all you have to do. Like, Right.
1: You're, you're, you're the, you're in charge of this. This is your company. You need to like ensure everybody's safety.
0: It's definitely one of those things you can see too, like employees being like, oh, you know, oh, Mr. Stickler. (laughs) Like, do you know what I mean? Where it's just kind of like. Oh, like we have to do the head count. Like nothing happens. Like, I don't know. I could just see how things like that just stop being
1: done. I mean, look, I'm sure this Jeffrey guy felt fucking awful.
0: To me, the bad thing is what they did afterwards. Like I can see like something like that
1: happening. I'm just surprised that nothing alerted him in his brain. Like nothing like no like light bulb went off. Like, oh, oh, maybe these are connected. Like. Right. Maybe. Like there's a lot of, you can have a fuck up. I right. can see how that
0: might happen. But then there's all these other times that you could have realized it. Right. But there was no procedures. Like you were never curious. Like you knew those people were on the boat and now they're gone. They're not, their stuff is left behind. And they're the ones who aren't getting their bus. Like it's always them. <laughs> like maybe right. you think, oh, wait, where are those people? <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, so it, it it was that, I mean, it is incredibly frustrating and it is pretty horrifying. Like, I mean, I was reading about, I was sort of reading about like what it is to, like what happens when you're lost at sea. And look, it does not sound fun.
0: I, I always, the thing that makes me freak out with that movie is thinking like, what would I do? Right. Because you'd probably just want to die, but you can't like force yourself <laughs> to like drown. It's awful. Do you awful. know what I mean? Like. So I can see you wade for a while
1: and float or whatever,
0: but they didn't even have any floating devices, right? Like no,
1: they were just uh, they had their their vests which were buoyant and uh, okay. their wetsuits which were buoyant, so that helped a little. But yes, it's still exhausting. But you're still exhausted. You're still dealing with. And You're in the sun. You're in the full. You're sun. You're directly in the sun, in the hot, hot. And then at night,
0: it probably gets cold. And then you're you're
1: just fucking in the water at night. It's so fucking scary. You're freezing cold at night. You're delirious. Yeah. You're dehydrated. So some people start hallucinating. Right. You know, uh, you're probably starving too. Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, I would be very hungry. Uh, I, I just think it's such a
0: nightmare. I can't even... I can't even imagine what I would be doing. You're just nonstop scared. You're nonstop. That must be so exhausting. You can't (laughs) catch a break. It looks
1: exhausting. Yeah. (sighs) And you can't, you're just like waiting to die. Right. It's so awful. It's really awful. I feel really bad for the fate of this couple. I mean. I think the thing that's scary to me about the movie is that you get to
0: see their experience. Yes. And you don't, obviously, we don't have their experience. Right. We don't know what happened, right. really, like, or what they went through. Right. We can guess. So in the movie, it's so scary because we actually see what they're going through. And it's, you forget that it's not
1: them. Like They did such a good job with this movie. It is so, like, it is so, it feels like you're there because, like, y- you even kind of get nauseous watching it sometimes because the camera is, like, right in the water. So you're, like, bobbing up and down yeah. with them. Yeah. It's a, it's and like I was also reading on this Reddit board about uh about the movie Open Water just like a discussion about it and somebody noted that like in the movie you kind of see the couple go through like all the stages of grief
0: uh-huh
1: like throughout the movie yeah. and I realized I'm like oh yeah that is true because like when they first pop up they're like Oh, uh, like the boat's probably around here. So like, they're kind of just like, oh, Denial, they'll, yeah. they'll be coming <laughs> yeah. back in yeah. like 20 minutes to find us. Yeah. Like that's got to be them like coming back to get us. Ugh. It's so I watched it again last night. Like I had already seen it before, yeah. but I watched it again last night. And it's like my palm sweat thinking about it. Yeah. If you um, haven't seen Open Water, it's on Amazon. I recommend it if you like horror movies or even if you like survival movies. Yeah. Um, or just like indie low, this movie was made for like $120,000 and it made a shit ton of money at yeah. the box office. So it was a big success. If you, if you like, I, I recommend it. It's very, there's no gore in it. There's no blood. No, like it's not It's just
0: tense. Yeah. Like it's scary. Okay. This might be a very stupid question and <laughs> I'm, I'm regretting already asking Desi, it. We
1: only ask stupid questions. Was
0: there an open water too? <laughs>
1: Oh my God, thank you. Thank you for reminding me. That's what I want to talk about.
0: Okay. Oh my God, how'd you know? Because I had a vague memory of it. Okay. And I And I remember thinking, that's we need to stupid.
1: Talk about Desi? <laughs> okay. So the thing about Open Water 2, because I was like going on a deep dive about this movie, no pun intended. Right. But I was reading, like, how. You know the the directors of Open Water. They have they have nothing to do. It's just in name only, right? You know, and they got whatever they got money for lending the name. But Open Water Two, I watched the trailer of it. It is the most insane premise ever. And if you don't, okay. So here is <laughs> the premise of Open Water Two. It's like a bunch of like irritating hot young people, right, on a yacht, and like everyone's like jumping in the water and then everyone's in the water. Like they're j- they jumping the water off, off this yacht. And then it's like, Oh no, no one put the ladder down. So, <laughs> 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 and they can't climb up the side of the yacht cause it's too smooth and slippery. Oh my so God. So that's why they're stuck in the water. It's like, they're so close, but so far and I'm watching this trailer. I'm laughing my ass off. And then it goes halfway through the trailer, and my baby's on that yacht. <laughs> <laughs> and then it cuts to like this close up shot of a baby going, eh. Like, the
0: baby needs to throw a rope over or something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dude, it is. I kind of need to watch it with you because it looks so oh terrible. Oh my God. That's
0: unbelievable. That- I mean, I knew I had heard Open Water 2 It thought it was ridiculous. And I remember thinking it literally is just a moneymaker. Right. There's no, there's probably, it's probably the stupidest storyline, but Dude. I couldn't remember what it is. So that's what I was asking. And I was like, I can't
1: remember if there was, cause it seems insane that there would be. The minute it cut to that shot of the baby crying, I fucking peed my pants that laughing. That is like the, I love that one up. <laughs> it's like they have to like raise the stakes even higher. It's like the stakes were pretty high. Right. Come on. Why, first of all, why was your infant daughter on this yacht?
0: I honestly now I'm scared because I'm like I didn't even think about putting the ladder down. <laughs> like I wouldn't. Even, first of all, I would never jump off a boat into the no. ocean. But like certainly, I'd be like, well, how do we get back? I'm <laughs> that bitch on the boat who's totally. like the
1: party pooper. But then I'm the one everyone should have listened to. <laughs> You are that character in the horror movie. You're the one, you're definitely the person in the beginning who's like, this is a terrible idea. We're all going to die and no one listens to you and then everyone dies. See?
0: God. There's something to be said about being the party, the joy killer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dude. my god, that's so crazy! Yeah, so I want to watch the movie again. You don't gotta watch it again. It. It's so good. I want to see Open Water too, though. I do. No, I
1: want to watch that with you. Okay, and we'll make Brendan watch it. Okay, yeah, we can do it for for before the horror Halloween month is over. We're doing that as revenge for Tom and Eileen. Oh right. Okay. Yeah, I'm scared for the baby now, dude. <laughs> you don't even understand this baby. Not only was it like like the smash cut to the baby in the crib but also the 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 sound of the crying it was like a stock baby cry that right. you've heard a million times well you have to wonder why they even brought the baby <laughs> That's That's saying. Saying. Like, like,
0: why was the baby on- <laughs> would you ever bring a baby on a party boat i mean it's so irresponsible
1: dude. and like the first like half of this trailer is like all of them like partying and like making out and like Getting drunk and stuff, right? It's it there's seems very no inappropriate. reason for yeah. this baby to be on board except for the
0: punchline. P-
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it felt like a punchline because I started laughing. <laughs> okay, okay, we'll, we'll give you an update when we watch Open Water okay. too. All right, Bye. and that's that. Bye. Hold up!
0: What was that?